0: Well, today's message, although I'm going to do all I can to keep it in five minutes, see I've already started my timer, is uh, I think it's really important that we talk about today, especially from an aspect of leadership. And honestly, what I'm going to try to cram into five minutes, I'm probably going to talk like Caroline Leaf fast because it really should be, if it's not already, it should be someone's doctoral dissertation or at a minimum their master's thesis. I want to talk today about a word that is probably one of the most derogatory deriding attack phrases <clears throat> currently being used in social media and media across the globe. Two words strung together with the very purpose of intimidating the person they're slung at. And in my opinion, they're, they should be right up there on the level of hate speech or racial slurs or religious intimidation because they have exactly the same intention. These two words, when strung together, basically tell everyone around you who have heard them that person should not be listened to. In fact, there's something mentally wrong with them. In fact, shut up. What you have to say is unimportant because there's something obviously wrong with you. That's what these two words were designed to say. And I'm going to show you a little bit of research, just a tiny bit of. Five minutes worth of Google research to back up what I'm saying, just so you have a little harder time throwing these two words at me, as some people like to do. Welcome to Leading Leaders Podcast, five minute videos, five days a week. The two words that uh, are being thrown around are really about being able to say to someone who has an idea that doesn't fit the status quo. It it doesn't fall in line with the marching orders of everybody else, whether it's the teacher or the media or the classroom or whatever else. I'm going to give you a really quick, uh, very quick, if I can, story about my own personal experience with this when I was in the Air Force Fire Academy. We had a teacher who came in who had never taught in our class before. He was being evaluated for his own uh, teaching ability. He was a, an enlisted man and, and a, a senior enlisted man to myself. But when he came in to teach a class, he taught about um, Halon 1301 at the time. Halon 1301 and 1311 were very new on the market in the late 80s. And so there were still some science questions about Halon 1301 and 1311 that had not yet been answered. Now, I have a tendency to listen a lot with my eyes closed because I'm a very visual person and if what you're putting in front of me is not as visually stimulating as what's going on in my mind as I imagine and theorize over what you're saying, then I will listen with my eyes closed. And some people mistake that for sleeping, as did this instructor. And so he decided about two-thirds of the way through his lecture to call me out to try to embarrass me in front of the crowd for not paying attention to his lecture. And he did so by asking me the question, how then does Halon 1311 and 1301 work? Well, when I rose up and started to explain to him, he said, come on up here to the board and show us how Halon 1301 works. Now, here's the real tricky part of that question. Uh, he had already said throughout the course of his notes several times, in fact, told us to write it down and could be on the test, no one really understands how halon 1301 or 1311 worked at the time late 1980s but we have some theories and this is where we get the fire tetrahedron so when i went to the board and explained why i believed halon 1301 worked he berated me he chided me he made fun of me he said maybe next time you'll stay awake in class and pay attention a little caveat that he missed was that the the instructor who was actually evaluating his ability to teach, stood up in the back of the room and said, don't erase that yet, I need to get a picture of it um, because there's a really good chance he's right. We hadn't pondered it from that way. We've never thought about it quite like that, but there's a chance he's right. Don't destroy the evidence. See, there are times that an outside theory, an idea that doesn't seem the norm, questions the norm, and it really irritates those who value the norm, who really want things to stay just like they are, not to rock the boat. I can't tell you how many times in the course of my life in classrooms from middle school and high school all the way up through Electronics Engineering and Fire Academy, that the students in the classroom would get irritated with me because I would ask questions and ask questions and ask questions and then ask more questions. And there were several times that I reached the point that the instructor would say to me, I don't know. You'll have to figure that one out on your own. You're over my head. Yes, I did have... Yep, ran out of my five minutes, but I'm going on anyway. I I did when the first place overall and first place physics science fair in high school, twice. I also had scholarship for music, physics, and speech to go to university, but I didn't because I chose robotics and my girlfriend closer to home over going off to college. Turns out I didn't get any of the above. Didn't get the scholarship, didn't get the girl, didn't get the degree in robotics, and that's why I went to the fire academy. But I still love to study things that are beyond my ability to comprehend At the surface which means yes I'm always digging right behind the first level that most people accept most students in the classroom would say I got it I can pass the test I don't care if I truly understand it I get it enough to pass the test let's move on my curiosity doesn't stop there not with neuroscience not with leadership not with faith not with my religion it doesn't stop there I keep digging I keep digging into the countercultural things. I keep asking the questions, why and how did we get here? And I do believe that in our society today, there are certain cliques of people who are digging deeper to get to the real truth, and there are those who are simply going along to get along. They agree with the idea, not because they really agree with it, but because it's easier to dismiss the idea than it is to, well, dismiss a friendship or to dismiss even the convenience of the high paying job or the current opportunity or the current political climate. And that, my friends, is a recipe for hazard. So I'm gonna read something to you. In fact, I'm just gonna put it on the screen because this is probably prettier than I am anyway. You You can probably read this. This is right out of the Oxford University Press. It says, how has academic research into you ready for this? Here's those two big words, conspiracy theories developed over time. This chapter demonstrates that scholarly interest, into, uh, interest only emerged in the 1930s as part of a psycho-historical explorations into the origins of totalitarianism. Let me break that sentence down real quick for those who are not listening. Psycho-historical explorations into the origins of totalitarianism. That's why research into, quote, conspiracy theories began, or at least continued. This line of research continued into the 1950s and influenced public opinion on the subject matter as it received a lot of media attention. The common denominator of these earliest studies is that they pathologize conspiracy theories and those who believe in them. The tendency is to a certain degree palpable in the most recent research, in social, psychological, and political science, which employs sophisticated, sophisticated quantitative methodologies. Now, the, the key phrase in this entire thing isn't just conspiracy theories or psychohistorical explanations of totalitarianism. It's that these earliest studies, common denominator is that they pathologize conspiracy theories. So you gotta ask yourself the question, what does it mean to pathologize a conspiracy theory? Well, here you go. Right here on Google, on the dictionary.com, to pathologize means to regard or treat someone or something as psychologically abnormal or unhealthy. Most of the older theories pathologize same-sex attraction. Are you catching on yet? To pathologize someone as being a conspiracy theorist is equivalent, in my opinion, to a racial slur. It's to say you're not mentally capable of understanding, or there's something truly wrong with you. Let me give you a better example, right here. Just this is the same search, by the way. I just scrolled. Down, oh, Jesus! I just scrolled down the page a little bit, and I found this right here. It says pathologize. Definition of pathologize at Dictionary.com. An example sentence. From the web for Pathologize, quote, well, of course, people like Dr. Drew have to pathologize every behavior because it keeps their pockets lined. Are you catching on yet? There's a reason to marginalize and minimalize people who don't agree with you. There's a reason to pathologize or to accuse them of being mentally unstable or mentally unbalanced or there's just something wrong with you because you don't agree with me. That, my friends, is a recipe for disaster. Remember, the Oxford University Press said the reason that political scientists and psychology research conspiracy theories is so that they can create the origins of totalitarianism and to pathologize those who hold the theories. Look, I don't expect you to agree with everything that I read. I really don't. I read a lot, and I intentionally read stuff from every possible angle, from every possible angle. I look into it, I dig into it, and I share the research that I come across. Some of it is from complete nut jobs, like myself who actually believe that there are people who have an agenda way outside the scope of what we would consider to be a normal agenda. And some of them hide their agenda, and they lie about their agenda, and some of them are straight up about their agenda. And I'm okay with that. I'd rather you be honest about an agenda that that doesn't serve me well. I'd rather you just tell me the truth so we can negotiate or at least talk about it but don't lie to me about what your agenda is and hide it behind something else and then call me crazy for exposing your agenda, which is, by the way, the reason Julian Assange is still in prison. He uh, exposed illegal behavior. Same with Snowden. He exposed illegal behavior. I don't care what administration was in charge when it happened. The idea of spying on American citizens is against our Constitution. We have the right, according to the Fourth Amendment, against illegal search and seizure, but when you can capture the data on my phone and use it against me in a court of law, yes, I know someone firsthand who can tell you that in interrogations and during their, what do they call that, discovery session, when they were being asked all the questions before they went to court, they were asked questions that they know for a fact came from content of a conversation in the shower in a private moment when their phone was turned Off. I'm just telling you, this is first hand from them, I'm the second hand, I'm telling you, so that makes it third hand information. But just do your research. Snowden and Assange were not making stuff up. But they're in jail, not because what they discovered was wrong. They're in jail because they discovered it and they told the world about it. Silence those who dissent. Yeah, that's a Chinese communist government policy. That's a totalitarianism policy. That's not the policy of the U.S. It is not in our Constitution. We have rights against illegal search and seizure. We have rights against self-incrimination. We have rights against limiting the speech and the opinions of people. So call me a conspiracy theorist if you want to but you better be ready to back up what you have to say and you better be open-minded enough to look at the same issue from as many angles as I've looked at it and not just follow the party line, not just follow the story you've been told because it politically suits you. I don't care who the president is in office. Honestly, they can do more damage with a pen in 45 minutes than you can undo in 45 years. But I do believe that as we as American citizens don't stand up for our right to speak and our right to believe, we may find ourselves in an entirely different world. Let me give you one of the first conspiracy theories that rocked my world. See, there was a guy who grew up in a humble beginning from a broken family by all accounts. His mom was pregnant before his dad even married her, but he raised him anyway nine or ten years old was the first time he ran away from home. He wasn't even in the place where he was supposed to be. The parents thought he was with them, but he wasn't there. Turns out he's off starting trouble, causing arguments with the leaders in in the local community. And this just continues all the way up to the point of his death. In fact, at the point of his death, he ends up getting himself arrested in the middle of the night in a park where he's not supposed to be with a bunch of other dudes. He gets arrested. He gets taken to trial. And before sunup, before sunup, He's on trial in front of the head guy of the entire country. And while this trial is taking place, there's no citizenry. There's nobody paying attention. It's one group of leaders versus another group of leaders versus another group of leaders. They're all throwing him around like a hot potato. And by sunup, he's found guilty. By 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he's not only found guilty between midnight and 3 o'clock in the afternoon, found guilty, put on trial arrested, put on trial, found guilty, and sentenced to death between midnight and 3 o'clock in the afternoon. One dude. One dude. Now, I don't know what kind of crimes you've got to commit to be arrested in the park in the middle of the night, to be dragged in front of the court, to be found guilty and sentenced to death as the punishment worthy of what you did wrong. But that's what happened to this dude. So now the dude's on trial. He's going to die, and he dies. And they bury him. And after they bury him, his body goes missing. And when the Roman guards come back and tell the head dude, Pontius Pilate, we don't know where he went. We put his body in there. We rolled a big stone in front of it. We stood outside. Nobody came or went. But dude ain't in there. They paid them to tell everyone that the dudes that were in the garden when he got arrested, that those are the dudes that came and stole the body in the middle of the night. My friends, that is a conspiracy theory. That is a straight-up lie of manipulation by the leaders and the government and the religious right at the time who took advantage of the ignorance of the people who never saw the trial, who were never responsible for the trial, who had nothing to do with the death sentence. But they're the ones who are being told, this dude got away because of his friends. You want a conspiracy theory, my friends? Go back and read the book of Matthew, and the book of Luke, and the book of Acts, and then ask yourself, how far back do conspiracy theories go, and who really is responsible for them, and where does the pathology lie? And the next time you decide to call me a conspiracy theory, be ready to buy a cup of coffee and spend a couple of hours because I may have some conspiracy theories like the one I just told you that I hold very dearly. But I promise you, I share them to challenge you. I post them on my social media pages to make you think because the best subsided victim in the world. The easiest one to suppress is the one who won't think for themselves, Have been told to shut up, and they simply submit to the abuse. Do your homework. That's all I ask. Do your homework. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day.